Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hiya, Jay. Hello, Ian. And also with me is Echo reporter and news reporter at the moment, Christian Walsh. How the devil are you? I am okay. How are you? Uh, James, I know how you are, which is not particularly happy at what happened uh, with <laughs> Liverpool. But before we talk about that, we have to talk about the lovely weather outside and the fact that people might be a bit thirsty. And if you want a drink, you can head over to our sponsors, beer52.com, head over to their website, type in the code ECHO onto their website, and you'll get a tenner off the, your first case of eight delicious craft beers. So head over there once you've finished listening to us talking about Liverpool. Uh, and James, I'm going to say then, Liverpool, Southampton, me and you were there. It was very, 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 very frustrating. Yeah, it, it was. I think, to be honest, the, the only good bit of the entire day was the uh, what followed. Um, the result of the Emirates kind of kind of lifted the gloom somewhat because I think, you know, I think everyone went away from Anfield feeling like Liverpool had, had squandered the initiative. Um, and then, you know, courtesy of Arsenal's win over United, it was it was handed back to them. So it's, it's probably not quite as damaging as as it felt, but it, it still it still doesn't get away from the fact that it was a really really poor performance. Um, yeah, Southampton set themselves up well, and you know they were difficult to break down, but just the, the lack of spark or guile or invention was just infuriating, and it was just so slow and. It was there was there was just so much wrong, and you know aside from aside from the fact that yeah it, it remains in Liverpool's hands, I think you know, it, it's a worry that they're now going into the last two games, you know two probably you know two games they're probably going to have to win, um, you know on the back of such a you know a desperate performance. I mean, Christian, you watched it from afar. You weren't actually at Anfield, but do you agree with James that perhaps at the time when the final whistle went, you thought, oh, that's it. They've messed it up again, and then by the time the United games over, you think, "Oh, no, it's not too bad." No, I, I, I mean, you look at it in two ways, don't you? Well, in two sections. Yes, Liverpool, you know, messed it up, if you will. Uh, I don't think a draw was a terrible result necessarily, but given the opportunity that was presented to them, you know, both in terms of Southampton at home and then a penalty that was missed from 12 yards, you know, you can't get a bigger chance than that to to widen the the gap between yourselves in the chasing pack but it was you know especially with what Mourinho was saying in terms of the way he was going to put his team out against the Arsenal at the Emirates you just thought it was it was unlikely Man United would win and if Man United didn't win that game then it was back in Liverpool's hands again yeah they could have been in a better position you know if they won that yesterday and then Arsenal go and beat United they're pretty much almost there aren't they they need the draw to West Ham and they're pretty much there because Obviously, you can't assume too much at the minute with this side, but you would think even this side could see off Middlesbrough on the final day. Famous last words. Um, but so it was. It was a. It was a chance wasted. But at the same time, I think you've got to look at. I think after the game, I looked at the Arsenal fixtures. I looked at the Man United fixtures, and you, you sort of thought, well, if either of those teams can can win all of these games that they've got down, fair play to them. They deserve fourth. James, any blame attached to James Milner for the penalty miss? And do you feel as though he might have been put off a little bit by uh, Fraser Forster scuffing up yeah, the penalty spot? I mean, Southampton were, were... Basically, Southampton didn't want to come out and play, did they? No, and do you know what? It, it, it sounds like sour grapes afterwards, but 
it was amazing just how little ambition they showed for a team that were in mid-table with absolutely nothing to play for. I mean, the first half especially, didn't, I don't think they ventured across the halfway line. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. But they they were very effective at, at what they did. You know, I think they obviously in the in the second leg of the League Cup semi-final, they pretty much that was how they approached it, and then got that chance on the counter attack late on. And I think Puel was hoping for for something similar in terms of Milner. No, no blame whatsoever on his shoulders. It wasn't, you know, there was there was just so many poor performances across the board. I think, yeah, you know, I think you always fear a little bit for a penalty taker when there's such a long delay between when it's given and when it's actually taken. And you know, there was a lot of gamesmanship going on. I mean, two, obviously, two Saints players got booked. I think Bobby Madley, who who, who was horrendous. You know, he didn't. I don't think he really contributed to. You know, he, Liverpool had much bigger problems on the day than Madley, but. You know, he was. So, he seemed to be so preoccupied with, with with booking players that were moaning about the penalty award. He, for, it was bizarre that, that Fraser Forster didn't, you know, escape any censure for. You know, he was trying to dig up the penalty spot at one point. Then he was eyeballing Milner um, before belatedly going back to his his line. But you know, what, it wasn't actually a bad hit. You know, okay, it wasn't right in the corner. Maybe he telegraphed it a bit in terms of where he was going to put it. But I think you've got to give the keeper a lot of credit. Um, and you know, Milner was bound to miss one eventually, wasn't it? it was was it seven out of seven mm. for Liverpool this season? And you know he was he was devastated afterwards. You know he he stopped to do interviews and and fronted up as you know he's like the great pro that he is. And you know he, you could tell it really hurt him. But you know t- to be honest, I just hope there are a lot of other players in that dressing room holding their hands up as well because trying to pick a Liverpool man of the match on Sunday was an absolute nightmare. And I think we may have got to the bottom of why Harry Kane's penalty at Southampton went miles over the bar now. Maybe Fraser Forster before the game was just like <laughs> belting up the like a little mole. Yeah, like exactly. Little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we finally reached the conclusion on that. Um, but yeah, Christian James mentioned then about James Milner and he said that there's other players who, who perhaps look at themselves. But that's kind of been the case for the last three or four weeks. But we're talking about at Anfield because you, this game was nil-nil. Crystal Palace, two on defeat. Bournemouth, Two all, and this came on the back of I think it was off the back of the Everton game, wasn't it? Which doesn't was really count because Liverpool. Well, they beat Arsenal three one yeah. as well. So you're looking at it once again. It's the big games, bigger games, bigger opposition. They, they managed to take it over the line quite comfortably, and yet when they come up against these teams that they should be beating, you know, Bournemouth didn't sit back and defend, did they? No, they, they went for it. So they're all offering different, slightly different problems for Liverpool. They just can't find the answers, can I, they? I think what I'd say there is that they were doing this earlier in the season, and for me, there's two players. Who uh, who make the big difference? The number one, the first obvious one is uh, Sadio Mane. I think that's on two accounts: the fact that Mane himself, you know, Liverpool's player of the season for me, that is the best player, the best you know, top goal scorer, most creative outlet. Um, but what that also allows is for me you know, to move back into the middle, and that gives Liverpool another dimension in itself. Um, but Jordan Henderson as well. I, I really think that. That number six role—it's easy to, to assume that it's a defensive role in the sense that, oh, you you got to be mainly dealing with the opposition rather than taking the game to them. But with him out, the ball just is, the, the the tempo is a lot slower. The ball doesn't get recycled as quickly. It just doesn't feel like the opposition are, are pen back as much. But Henderson is very good at those. Uh, Always plays those lovely little sorts of clip balls, doesn't he? Into the into the box and it just well, Chan was trying to do that a couple of times, doesn't he? Yeah, and Lucas did want to Chan, mm. you know, and obviously Chan scored against Watford, but again, that was away. 
I just feel Liverpool were doing this, and I, I think there was a little bit of an overreaction saying, oh, Liverpool can't do this, Liverpool can't do that. No, they were doing it, but they just are missing two key components, two of the, the most key components, to be honest, because they were doing it without Coutinho. They did it against Leicester, for example, without Coutinho. Um, I remember somebody writing that should Coutinho start from now on? Yeah, I did. I did, I did. And, you, and you do wonder after performances <laughs> like that on a Sunday. But it's it's one of those things where for Liverpool, they just I thought the fact that the team was the same as the as the away with games was was a mistake. It was the same as the Palace game. That's a team set up to. to to win away, it's not a team set up to, to win well, maybe, at home. Maybe, maybe they thought that Jurgen Klopp thought that the teams weren't going to approach it any differently because Watford certainly just until the last ten minutes they just put everybody behind the ball and weren't particularly fussed. I mean, I know I was on record on the pod, and I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it already yet, Christian, that I said it would be a comfortable three 0 routine win mm-hmm. for Liverpool on Sunday, but that was in the, under the basis that uh, Adam Lallana was going to start. Now yeah, I... we saw, obviously, he came on. A couple of questions have been asked, namely for the first one, why didn't he start? And then the second one is, why did he wait so long before bringing him and Daniel Sturridge on? Yeah, and I think Christian's right. I think that team that he picked is fine when you go away from home where you think you're going to have to dig in and grind it out like Liverpool had to at places like West Brom and, and Watford. But you know, it's not just with the benefit of hindsight. You know, when, it, when you saw that team yesterday and you knew how Southampton were going to set up, you thought, is there really enough creativity in that midfield? And all your fears were, were realised. I, I couldn't believe that he didn't find room for Lallana. Um, just, you know, that was, I thought that was a bizarre decision, especially with the difference Lallana made when he, when he came on against, against Watford. Um, you know, both Chan and Lucas playing so deep, there was just absolutely no need for both of them to, to drop off like they did. You know, in, a, in a game like that, you almost needed both of them pushing on. And then like Matip playing as almost like the holding midfielder because you know, the two centre-halves had you know, Gabbiadini between them. It Do was... you think Luke, it was a bit unfair on Lucas that he was the one that made way? Because you could see in the second half that he kind of knew he was going to be coming up, so he started trying all these you know, runs into the box and back heels. And, yeah, and I thought, I thought Wijnaldum was very, was very lucky Wijnaldum, yeah. to, get, to stay on as long as he did. I'm not entirely um, sure what he did. No, I mean, he, you know, I, think, I think Andy Kelly pointed out that he was looking at the stats from the game and Wijnaldum never made a tackle. In, in, the, in the time he was on it's the very pitch. very unlike Wijnaldum, yeah. isn't it, really? And, and you know, even at Watford, I thought, when Aldum, you know, he was, you just didn't even notice him. He just wasn't involved. Yeah, like he just wasn't involved. After, the, after our he time, just, he did something and then yeah. he just disappeared again. So I think, you know, he, his form has certainly tailed off. Yeah, I just want to say, at half-time, I was amazed Klopp didn't just change it then because the first half had been that bad and I just don't understand... It, it was just madness, I think, to think that the opening 20 minutes of the second half were going to be any different mm. because... There was nothing, nothing to grasp or nothing to point to the fact it would be any different. Um, you know, I, I thought Lalana and Sturridge should have both come on. Origi was really, really poor. Um, it wasn't that good. Just, just so inconsistent. You know, he is infuriating. You know, he's he's, a, he's still relatively young, and you know, I'm not. I, I still think he's worth persevering with. But you know, he's not the kind of player at the moment that you can you can bank on to deliver week in week out, which underlines Liverpool's need to go and buy a top striker this summer. Um, and you only had to see the difference that Lana and Sturridge made when they finally came on to, you know, just to underline the mistake of not bringing them on sooner because Liverpool, you know, despite Klopp's complaints about the pitch being too dry, it didn't look very dry when Lana and Sturridge suddenly got involved. I was going to say, Christian, this is, while you weren't out the game, this uh, 
criticism of Klopp about substitutions is nothing new. It's been hanging around for quite a while. In the la- in the past few weeks, it was more to do with well, he hasn't got any other options on the bench. You know, he's leaving everything to the last minute because he doesn't want to throw on Ben Woodburn or even Gruwich, people like that. But he did have options on. Sunday, and he still decided to, to wait and wait and wait. It's almost like has he got too much faith in the starting lineup to turn it round because he knows. What, I don't know because he I'm, knows what because he knows Klopp, what the, I'm, the tra- I'm trying to remember games where Klopp's changed at a half time, and I can't think of many to be honest. Well, Stoke it's, was one, wasn't it? But that was kind of that was, that yeah, was different that was, because yeah. he, he was almost like he was making a point there, wasn't he? Like I've got enough players. Yeah, it felt, it felt and obviously that that worked for them, but in general, when when. He doesn't change it, does he? When they lose losing, draw, and whatever. Um, he's, 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 a, he's a very, very intelligent manager. He's a very good manager, and you know it's not even obviously the obvious changes there were um, Sturridge and Lallana. But you know you're looking at the bench. You've got uh, you got Moreno there now. But, you know, I know he's not, he's not brilliant, and he was caught there. But when a team sits that far back. Do you not need a little bit of maybe pace and penetration? Someone who can sort of maybe break the lines from deep. You know, they're not they're not going to offer anything going forwards. And, and Moreno's strength is going f- going forward himself. So, is he was he an option? Trent was on the bench, wasn't he? Who's sorry? Trent. Yes, yeah, Trent was yeah, on the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trent's got a really good ball on him. Is is there not, is there not a, a scenario where not to sound like Andy Kelly, but is there not a scenario where you? You you put Alexander Arnold on instead of Klein, for example, or yeah. and just 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 something a little bit different. You know, it doesn't. The problem there, perhaps, is the fact that we are now into two three games to go, and it's the very very the end of the season. I mean, and this, this might be... You don't want to throw youngsters in at that point. This might be the well, Moreno's well, twenty four, isn't he? That's but, true. I say I say your points. He was busy, to be fair. It's a lot different, more difficult than you think. It, I think, I think this is the lower. issue at the moment. I think it's late, as you say, it's late in the season. And I think if Klopp's going to fall on his sword, Klopp's going to fall on his sword. He's going to fall on this sword rather than a sword of making an absolutely mad decision with twenty minutes to go in a game and thinking, right, okay, I'll, I'll change my fullbacks instead of doing anything else, and, and then he lose one nil. I think he's going to. He's become more cautious. Well, as a, as I was going like to like say that because he came here with this reputation of of being all like flair and attacking and throwing caution to the wind, which clearly isn't true. Because yeah. you, you don't win stuff just by simply doing that, as anybody who follows Newcastle will know. But, as you, you know, James, you're saying now, it does seem as though in the last couple of weeks he's sort of gone, well, we're nearly there, Brighton's just going to try and get us over the line. Yeah, I think it probably goes back a little bit further than that. I think, you know, you, you know it's probably about five or six weeks ago him suddenly talking about, you know, how you know it's not about beautiful football at this stage of the season. It's we need just to forget about, with Liverpool. Yeah, 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 forget with Liverpool, all that kind of thing. And you know, it's, to keep on remembering. We, we just need to, you know, talk about winning ugly and and how you know even even before the weekend, you know, he wasn't talking about Liverpool being you know you know the the kind of attacking juggernaut that they were earlier on in the season. He was talking about you know we need to grind something out. We need to be defensively strong. We're not going to get many chances against Southampton, so we need to ensure we don't give anything away. Um, even James Milner afterwards was talking about you know how how we were solid and we didn't overcommit players forward and it was like well actually you know that was the problem you didn't you didn't <laughs> overcommit it, it was I think he, he's suddenly taken a lot less risks and I think part of that is because it, he he doesn't believe this team at the moment are capable of scoring two three or four or, to win a game or playing the attacking so, football that he yeah. wants to play yeah but then when you when you set the team up like he did, like it was on Sunday you almost play him for a one nil now. You know, if, if Milner had gone for the other corner or Forster had, had, had guessed wrong, Liverpool would have got a 1-0 and obviously the, the conversation would have been very different. But 
you know, it, it certainly, you know, it, it's just, I think it just narrows down your opportunities, doesn't it? When you, when you, you know, especially against an opponent like that, that, you know, he was obvious, I think he was fearful about Liverpool getting done on the counter. Mm. And that was why he wanted those three in midfield just to dog it out and, and just, and, and then was hoping that Liverpool would get a moment of magic from somewhere. I mean, they, had, they created a lot more chances than they did against Palace. I mean, was it just the one shot on target against Palace? And, they, they had, and why are you going to say they weren't particularly great chances? At yeah. least they were chances. Against Palace, they weren't doing anything. But the only, apart from the, the penalty the save, the only, the only really decent save Forster made was the Gruwich header, wasn't it, in the last minute? You know, the, everything else was well, this is against the broken, broken, long range. broken records. The worry is that is the, the goal, if it had scored, would have been a penalty. Yeah. The goal against Wofford was a worldie. Yeah. The goal against Crystal Palace was a free, free kick. kick. The goal against West well, Brom was, was a set piece. On. The goals against um, Stoke, was it? One was a worldie. One was a yeah. decent finish, to be yeah. fair, yeah. getting people in the box. But the, the goals are drying up and the chances are drying up. Yeah. And this is the big thing. And I think James was right. I think it's very much, uh, let's, you know, Liverpool aren't going to score can't even score two sometimes now so if, you know let's let's try and not get the, the, the one against well, it's us been three clean sheets in the last four and earlier this season Liverpool would have been crying it is but we'll put two more nil-nils and you don't get Champions League so there's there's, there's got to be a balance somewhere I think it'll I think it'll be different I think you know in, in that sort of game you've got to you've got to you've you got to hope a player like Coutinho steps up you've got to hope or even a player like Origi he's the central striker in that team and I know he's young and I know he's still developing, but you, you you want your central striker to be your main man there. You want him to to do something, you know, to 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 sink the game by the scuff of the neck. And, and neither of that was happening. I think the other thing as well is is the midfield three, as James said, set up to not be to hit to be hit on the counter. But where's the goals coming from there? I know Chan obviously scored that goal, and Wayne Eldon's got what was it five? He makes late runs into the box, but in general, like there's there's not a lot of goals coming from those three. So, I mean, obviously we'll look at it later in the week, but Lallana and Sturridge are absolute musts for, for West Ham, surely. Well, we can discuss Sturridge now. I mean, he's somebody who I've, for quite some time, most of the season was saying he has to start, then obviously it became clear that he was never going to be able to. But, again, I reckon he should start at West Ham. Do you agree? Um, oh, he does. I mean, Lallana has to start, but yeah. I think... So you think if Lallana starts think, in, he's going to stick with the same midfield? I think you play Lallana in the front three. I think you get Origi so out so of there. So Firmino yeah. goes centre. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. Firmino goes centre, yeah. And then play, and then, and then maybe bring Sturridge off the bench. I mean, it, I think there is a strong case to be made for Sturridge to start, just because you know he did more in five minutes on the pitch on Sunday than Origi had managed in the previous I mean, admittedly, he's coming on when the defences are tiring a little bit. But, but even you know that little bit of skill he produced, I think, when Lallana played it into him, and just you know, quick feet skipped away from Stevens. Anyway, it was a toe poke straight at Forster. But you know that that's what you need in a tight game, someone who can create space like that out of nothing. Um, you know, and you yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see which way he goes. I mean, he might. You're right. He may well stick with that midfield three, thinking that it will be a bit of a bit of a war. London Stadium and Liverpool might just need to dig in, um, but yeah, I think Lallana's got to be an absolute shoe in to start, and, I, and I'd, I'd be absolutely amazed if Origi made made the starting lineup again. I think if if if, if Klopp is going this cautious in terms of you know, so you got you, you got your four, and for me, Milner and Milner and Klein are absolutely fine going back. It's going forward. That's the issue. But those those and Lovren and, and Matip have got a decent little partnership going. Then you've got the midfield three. We're all not necessarily defensive minded, but you'd certainly say all three of them can play going back. You need a player in there, 
like a storage or like Lalana in the front three, who can also create otherwise. You know, not again, not not against the Rigi, but he hasn't been. He's not the type of player who does produce moments of magic. He's the type of player who profits from them. And yeah. in that sense, he's not going to do something only the Sunderland home game where he did that. You know, mm. he sort of opened the score didn't he with a nice little drop of the shoulder. But he's not really going to do anything on his own. I think if you're going to be that solid and that um, not defensive, but you know, sort of that rigid in your structure. The front three have all got to have something in them, like all of them. And I think Coutinho has, I think Firmino has, and I think Sturridge has, and I think Lallana has. So it's a case of which three of those starts and then which ones you bring off the bench as an option. For me, it'd be I'd probably... I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, I'd start both of them, but you know, I, I don't think you could argue against Sturridge starting because people say about, oh, his defensive qualities, but... There's about seven players on the pitch there who can defend, so just let them stand there and score goals. James, going back to the point you mentioned about Jurgen Klopp and, and, and cautiousness, is that the word? Is it? No, I don't know. It is today. It is today, yeah. It is from now on anyway. Um, do you feel as though for quite a while now that he has realised that, hang on, we probably are not so much in a bit of trouble, but we're going to just have to get this done now, this season. We've, I'm going to have to compromise quite a, a bit of my own beliefs and... And, and get it over the line. And when Mane got injured, that was the final tipping point where he just went, right, that's it. We're yeah. going to we're have to do this now. Yeah, I think... Because we've come this far that we've tried to get away with not having a, you know, buying a player in January. We know all the reasons for that. It says, and of course, everything that he wouldn't have wanted to happen is exactly what has happened. But, you know, there's still, if you start the season, if you just said, two games to go, win your last two games and you're in the top four, could be even in, in the top three. You'd have taken that, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, so he, I think he's just sorry. sorry no, I was going to say. No, I think it's he, and he kind of touched upon this last week in in the breakout section of the press conference he did with the newspapers when he he kind of he kind of touched upon the fact that he he feels the perception of Liverpool's season's unfair because he he said you know before the season started if anyone had, had, had said we'd be in this position most fans would have been absolutely delighted he said but because obviously the way that the first few months went expectation levels went through the roof. So that you know, you almost get, and I think he sensed that there was almost like a feeling around Anfield that it's like an opportunity missed, even if Liverpool were to come fourth. When he would say, "Well, hang on a minute, we finished eighth last season," to make that leap into the top four, when you consider all the obstacles they've had to overcome, all the injuries to key players, when you look at the, the money that City, United, Arsenal all splashed last summer, um, you know, it, it would be a big achievement. And I think I think he's right. And I think what you said about Mane, I think that definitely. I think him seeing how much Liverpool struggled without him in January made him realise that Liverpool can't play the same. He, I don't think he thinks they can play the same way without Mane. So that's I think that's a big reason as, as why he has reined them in as an attacking force and just tried to make them more dogged, more solid. Um, and it's you know, it's not making for particularly pretty viewing, but you know Klopp I think clearly thinks that this is the way to get them over the line and. You know, they're limping towards the finish line at the moment, but you know that they're, they're still in a very good position to to make it happen. I mean, you say limping, but they've actually only lost one of the last. Is it ten or eleven since the Leicester game? There's been been a couple of draws. If you look at the actual form table since that Leicester game, yeah. I think Liverpool. I think it's more the performances. I think isn't it? Performances. It's, it's, it's not necessarily lucky performances. I thought they deserved the win against Watford. I thought they deserved the win against Stoke. I thought they deserved the win against West Brom. And this is exactly what we've always wanted Liverpool to do, though, isn't it? It's like, it's like they can't seem to do anything, I, I right? Th- I, think that, I think one of the big issues... Well, yeah, because I mean, he said that to, 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 uh, to, in the breakout section to, uh, to us. He sort of said, you know, Liverpool, we, we get told we can't do this, we can't do that. With, 
at the time he said we're third with 69 points he said so what's wrong with all the other teams you know where's, where's the criticism for them and, and you appreciate it well what he says my my only worry is that when Liverpool manager starts to betray their beliefs it never really goes well in in, in a wider sense in terms of you think about what what ended up doing for Rafa what ended up doing for Brendan Rodgers I think but he's not, he's not doing it permanently. No, he's though, not doing it, it permanently, yeah. but I'm, I'm talking like short term here. Like you, you, you can sort of see why he's doing it, but should he really be going against what his, what his beliefs are? Because, yeah, they are eking out results, but maybe at home they could open up a little bit more because it hasn't been working. He's, these beliefs have got them two points from the last nine. From, yeah. last, from nine. Instead, why aren't they trying to maybe just put that extra little bit of attacking impetus on, on these teams and... and Blow them away because Liverpool's starting games slower now. I think that's noticeable mm. because he probably doesn't back his, his bench to come off uh, to come on and, and, and do anything. So I, I just away from home, like West Ham, if they set up like that, I, I'd have no qualms whatsoever. I think I, I think it's sensible. As I say, I'd put Sturridge or Lallana or both in, but you know you can see where he'd be coming from if that midfield free starter, for example. But I mean, it's too late now because there's only Middlesbrough left. But he. he I think that the last three home games, I think he's he's made the mistake in the way they've been set up. I mean, for all of that though, they've played thirty-six games now and they've only lost six. Which, again, if we would have said that's very good return, you'd say that's very good for Liverpool. Yeah. And they're on seventy points. And through my research of reading league tables, <laughs> um, I've discovered that seventy-three points has been enough to get a top four place. Whenever there's been a twenty-team league. In the top flight in England, let, you know, let I think alone it would have been enough to win the league last season, wouldn't it? What did, what did Leicester? No, win? Leicester got about eighty. Leicester got more than that. Yeah, Leicester. Leicester definitely wouldn't have been enough to win the league last season. <laughs> it might have been enough to finish <laughs> second, um, but beat Middlesbrough in the final game, seventy-three. You know that should do it, but they can't look at it that way, can they? No, and I think I think you're right. I think about it has been a, if, as long as Liverpool get over the line. I, I think I think it's been a successful season. But I think where there'll be regrets is you say they've only lost six games, but you look at who they've lost to. Mm. You know, five of those defeats against teams in the bottom half of the table. Um, you know, dropped two points against you know, an awful Sunderland team who've been relegated. Um, so I think that that's where the regrets lie, and that, and I think fans are entitled to to point the finger at that because it is infuriating when you've you know, I think it's different when you come up short against the absolute cream of the of the Premier League and. And you just can't compete with the best. But when you've proved, I think, I think against the top eight, Liverpool have won nine and drawn five of those fourteen games. So when you've basically had no problems against the, the, the top seven teams around you, yet you can't deal with with the others, I think you know that's where the frustration lies. But you know they they are still in a decent position to, does, to get over the line. Does that underline then the importance of managers? By which clearly the teams at the top have got the best players, but they play a certain way. Whereas the teams at the bottom haven't got the best, better players, but when they come up against the better teams, they tend to play in a certain way. And you look at, okay, Southampton aren't one of the worst teams in the league, mm-hmm. not, by, not any, by any stretch of the imagination, but Club Puel has now played them four times this season. No goals. Yeah. He knows exactly how to set up a team to stop Liverpool from playing. It's the, it's the manager Styles, that's done that. It's the, manager, it's, it's the manager that's done that, not the players. Well, six games. Well, because he obviously did it. Yeah. It can't. I think it's it's easier to set up a team. Yeah, it's always it's easier to do that. But then, 
no one would ever get relegated if that was the case. You know what I mean? It's, it's that takes you so far. Yeah. But again, it's, and but this all comes back to the, you know does the league table lie? Because I, I firmly believe if Manny and Henderson were in the team that Liverpool win yesterday, I think they'll say win the league then. <laughs> when you look at the, I don't think they squandered. You know what they eleven behind Chelsea. Is it? Yeah, they got a game in hand, haven't they? And you know those five defeats against bottom half sides. I think top four would be showing off. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah, two final things, guys, before we finish. The first thing is Claude Puel again has just been speaking about uh, Virgil Van Dijk, and he's claiming that he expects him to be at Southampton next season. Do you agree with that, James? No, um, (laughs) I do not. (laughs) No, I think it's one of those things. What is he supposed to say? He's hardly going to come out and say. No, he'll definitely be flogged off. To well, the he didn't actually get. He didn't actually ask the question directly. He just asked something about how is he, and he just he, he said duh, 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 he's going to be and he'll be fit and he'll be ready for next season yeah. with us. But I, I'm, there'll be a bit. There'll be some. You know, I'm sure there'll be some mind games going on there because he, they'll he'll know that behind the scenes Van Dyke will be looking to to get away and and play Champions League football. Um, and Southampton will want it publicly known that they've got absolutely no interest in selling him, uh, not wanting to cash in because they'll want the highest possible price for him. So there's not even any guarantees that Puel's going to be there next season, is there? There's been some uncertainty about his position. I think that may so, be tied in with whatever happens with the, with Mr Van Dijk. Yeah, and I think you only have to look at recent history to show that there aren't too many players on Southampton's books the last few years who, when they've shown a desire to leave, who have been kept against their will and especially you know, if the price is right Van Dyke will be sold this summer and with the number of clubs that are in for him Liverpool included I would be absolutely amazed if he's still wearing a Saints shirt in August i tell you what is slightly concerning is that Van Dyke, his reputation has like skyrocketed this season and so his value is going to be about £50 million pounds. and you look at the way Club 12 plays I mean I think I could defend in that back four sometimes well he doesn't do because seen him, you get a lot of protection he doesn't, he doesn't he just wanders around I mean I've told somebody who's a Southampton fan he says yeah, he's, he's a centre back by name but he spends half the time just wandering around which is a little bit like uh, David Luiz at Chelsea who you know is a good footballer mm. and it's taken for there to be three centre backs to bring the best out of him I mean don't get me wrong I'm not I'm not I'm not writing him off before he's pulled on Liverpool shirt if he, if he ever does but it's just a little it's that it's that argument isn't it of well, yeah, he looks good in this team, but are you surprised when they don't venture off outside of the uh, outside of their own half? True. One, one final thing then. By the next time Liverpool play, Arsenal would have played twice. They'll, play, they'll be playing at Southampton uh, on Wednesday night, uh, and they'll be playing, at Stoke, playing at Stoke. <laughs> yeah, we're playing at Stoke on uh, on Saturday. Um, City are also playing on Saturday against Leicester. Obviously, we'll do another pod later. Oh, away. At home. We'll do another pod later this week. Now. Are we kind of, even though we forget that Liverpool's draw took them up to third place, <laughs> yeah. everyone's going like, oh, what a terrible result. It's like, hang on, this is the highest we've been for, for most of the season. Um, have we kind of resigned to the fact City are probably going to finish third? Yeah. With the games they've got. With the game, yeah, with the games they got left and I think the manner in which they, they do it. Yeah, the they, 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 they tend to finish the season strongly. They've got the Bramley Moor last day, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if City dropped another point. Um, so, yeah, I think... It's it's a three-way battle for fourth, yeah. um, but I must admit I'd be amazed if Arsenal went and won both of those games because their last two week. games are home against Sunderland and Everton, yeah. which I think they'll, historically yeah. they'll win. So they'll win those are we two, looking at by the next by the time Liverpool play next, they'll know whether Arsenal are going to be yeah. major contenders. Yeah, because that as we saw on Sunday at Anfield, Southampton are a very tough nut to crack. No guarantees that Arsenal will be able to succeed where Liverpool failed and. 
Stoke away on the weekend. I'm pretty sure that's the tea time game as well, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. So, you know, although Stoke haven't got an awful lot to play for, the fans the, will be well, yeah, up, for fans will be well yeah. up for that. They'll they always do well, 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 well yeah. Solid afternoon yeah. drinking in the potteries beforehand. They'll, it'll be just lively. Just be you? Yes, yeah. just me. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think I would be very, very surprised if Arsenal have got another six points on the board. Um, come Sunday, but if but they do, if they then, have to win then the pressure yeah. will very tr- well, well and truly be on. Are we discounting United then? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, think sure. got, I think they've got to go to Tottenham. Uh, it's, it's funny how it all sorts of works as a jigsaw, isn't it? Because by the time Tottenham play Man United, they might know that they haven't won the league. I mean, you know, anyway, but Chelsea might be champions by that point. But it's the last ever game of White Hart Lane, and I can't see Tottenham rolling over and dying for Man United. So I think we can discount them, maybe. <laughs> that's yes he's putting his neck on the line there certainly uh, just a final word uh, don't forget you can go and visit our sponsors beer52.com if you want some possibly. craft beers yes they're not yeah you could get them and then head off John James yeah exactly yeah then watch Stoke get beat by Arsenal uh, join us later this week where we will look ahead towards Sunday's trip to West Ham cheerio <laughs>